Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Please help me and welcome him, Chris Brisson from Sales Message to the Stage. Chris, come on. Hello, everybody. Hope everyone is doing awesome. Um, actually, a fun fact. So I met Nathan, this is probably 2012, 2013, at uh, um, InfusionCon. And he walks up to me and he says, you know, in typical Nathan fashion, hey, man, what's your revenue? How much are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm freaking out going, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. And he's asking all these awkward questions. And so this is, you know, eight, whatever, 10 years later, he's still asking these hard questions. So appreciate it, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Um, so my name is Chris Persson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Sales Message. Uh, and in this talk, there's going to tell you sort of the, the journey, the story, uh, some of the stuff that's working well for us, some tactical, but more of, uh, you know, the entrepreneur journey, which I think we've all, all uh, gone through. So I'm going to talk about how I pivoted from flat and unhappy uh, to six million and, uh, and high growth, all completely bootstrapped. And here I have no hair. Um, but now I have hair. So <laughs> anyhow. All right. So over the next uh, 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about really sort of three things here. One is the pivot. And if you've been an entrepreneur, you've probably created a company and you realize maybe it's something that you uh, didn't really like. And I want to talk to you about uh, this company that actually still exists today. It's called Call Loop. Talk about that journey and realize that, wow, this, is, this horse is not the horse that I want to bet on for my ultimate future. And that journey, how I lost a year and a half of time, 150 grand working on a product no one wanted. Maybe you've done that. Uh, and really the one question that really changed everything. Um, then I'm going to talk about the product vision, really dive into sales message, uh, our vivid product vision, um, how we can paint your future, uh, how we've done that, what I call the platform game, how we can quantify product market fit, uh, and really the vision for the overall product. Uh, ship early, ship often, how MTP can be like the unlock to really grow your business. Uh, and then I'll talk to some uh, keys to scale and keys to success. One thing I call stack the line. And this is how you create a multi-pronged SaaS company, not just one product, but multiple products that can continue to sort of uh, allow a lot of expansion revenue. Um, people, and then we'll talk about some pricing. So... Let's uh, get into it. And actually, Nathan, I think these might be the, the old slides. Oh, sorry. 4,000 slides. <laughs> Either way, we'll, we'll dive into it. So uh, this is 2009. And 
prior to this, I was doing a lot of internet marketing, um, created courses and different programs, and I really enjoyed software. We created a couple tiny little software products, and I had the idea for, wouldn't it be cool if you could do like voice broadcasting the same way that you could do email autoresponders? And that was like just this little idea. And this guy, Ronnie, posted a comment on my blog at the time. It was crisperson.com. And uh, here's what he said. And so this sort of blog comments turned into a partnership to create this product called Call Loop. And Call Loop, the sort of original idea was just that. Hey, how do we create a voice broadcast autoresponder, right? So very basic. Uh, and this was the landing page. I got invited to pitch at the VentureBeat uh, event. And I didn't know anything about raising money, raising capital, nothing like that. So I go to San Francisco on Market Street, and I'm in front of like 400 of the best investors in the world, and I bombed. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. And uh, I'm still trying to get that footage because it'll be like the best thing ever. Anyhow, so we started this company, and Call Loop just sort of 2009, if you think about it, the idea came out, 2011, we made a whopping $6,400. 2012, and it was just this slow grind, and it was just debilitating, to be honest. And so as much as I was looking to grow this company, it just wasn't something that, you know, wasn't, I wasn't happy. I was very sort of depressed, you know. I raised $90,000 in like 2012, and I'm like, man, I just took somebody's money, and it's not a lot of money, but this thing sucks. It's not going to really grow and scale. So in 2015, I wrote um, this three-part series. But before we do that, I want to share with you guys uh, what I call the bubblegum strategy. And hopefully if I press play, there we go. What did you say? This way. So let me know if this is Don't how you about feel about your rocks, SaaS company. It's perfectly normal. Please keep up with the tour. This is one of the oldest damn tunnels we have. Audrey! Audrey, come here! Uh, give me your gum. Out of my mouth? I don't care, any gum, just give me some gum. What's happening here? Here. Just talk to him, I'll catch up. So, so anyhow, this really represented like what Call Loop was. Like as much as we were, uh, let's see if I could stop it here. There we go. So as much as like I wanted to fix this product, fix this problem, it was like, oh my gosh, we're putting bubbled gum and tape on this and every problem that we tried to solve or fix, it just turned into a complete nightmare. So I went through basically a period where I was like, I don't want this. And so I wrote a three-part blog series um, where I was just like, I need to tell this story. And, and the idea with this was the subject line, I sent it to our whole list, about 35,000 people, customers, users. Maybe there's people in the room that were on that list and got this. Uh, and the title was The Death of Call Loop. And it was a journey and a story of me just saying, you know what? 
I built this business that I secretly despised. And if you've ever been in that place, it is a not a great place. But what came from this, and people were commenting, I tried to find the comments this morning on discuss, uh, but I couldn't find them. And people were hating me. People were saying this is the best thing ever. And it was just a very weird moment. But it was like the most impactful moment I had uh, in my sort of entrepreneurial journey. The end of this story was, you know, it was a three-part sequence, two days that went out. And the third part was follow my journey as I reinvent this business from the ground up as a second chance startup. And so I posted it, had hundreds of people sign up for this email list, and then I freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, people want to follow this journey of me inventing and reinventing this business and documenting this whole journey. And so about, you know, I brought, brought in a, a new uh, co-founder, a guy I worked with before, and I said, all right, man, let's get, let's get going with it. We started working on it for a month, and then about a month and a half later, I said, hey, how long is it going to take? And he's like, a year and a half. I'm like, shit, we need to do something. So I was like, hey, I've got this other idea. Let me go ahead. Let's, let's try and launch this. So it was called Kick a Conference. It was sort of like Uber Conference for um, marketers, and uh, we launched it a year and a half later. A lot of money later, uh, we made a whopping $1,500. Spent a year and a half, a year, building this product. It's a great product. And so I pulled this up on my email, and this is December, uh, October 21st, 2016, and my goal was generate $1,000 in sales. Horrible. So, but what happened was through this whole journey, I just, I said, all right, this is not working, but if I were to start over, what would I do? You know, if I were to draw a line in the sand and just say, you know, if I were to reinvent this entire business, what did I learn? I realized like this conference call thing, but people call loop was still going, you know, we were generating revenue and I would always hear what people wanted and said, okay, well, what could I create um, in order to sort of solve their problem? And so about 15, 13 days later, whatever it was, I said, all right, let's stop building kick a conference because it's obviously not working. And let me just try and sell this new idea, which sales message was um, really an idea I had in the summer and I was like trying to play around with it. And I said, all right, before we write a line of code, let me go ahead and pre-sell this. So I popped into Photoshop, I created some slides, I sort of mocked up the product, I sent an email to our list and did a webinar. And the webinar turned into $3,100 in sales, more money than we made in a whole year and a half trying to sell this other product that we spent a lot of money with. So this is where the idea of sales message came from was like, oh, okay, well, let me put it together. I don't touch it because I don't want to waste any time or money. We pre-sold it, right? So today, here's where we're at. So we did 36,000, 360, 1-2. Uh, we'll probably hit between seven and eight. You know, this is sort of our trajectory right now. But we're on this really, really fast growth path. Uh, and it's all been bootstrapped. We didn't raise any money. And uh, in fact, I just started taking a salary. Um, I didn't need to. Call Loop still runs, actually. And so um, I'm going to talk to you guys about the, the vivid product vision. And so uh, Cameron Harold, you know, I read this book years ago. I met Cameron years ago. And he was actually the impetus for me writing this whole blog series is he actually was using it. And he's like, Call Loop sucks. And that was like, oh, my God because he was speaking and it wasn't working and all this sort of stuff. And so that was, he was actually responsible for really helping me uh, pave this new path. But his book, The Vivid Vision, what it talks about is if you were to look out three, five years in the future, what does it look like? And to go through that exercise to really understand what do I want to create, one for myself, 
for a new company, uh, but also what does your product look like? And so one of the things for us is, you know, if you've read Jim Collins, you know, he talks about the BHAG, the big hairy audacious goal. And so our big vision, which is, you know, three, five uh, years down the future, it's this. Sales message is the leading global all-in-one omni-channel messaging platform for sales marketing support teams. Cool. We are not there, but we at least know where we're going. And so we can start to quantify this vision. So global, what does it look like? Well, we want to be in these countries, right? What does omni-channel look like? Well, we, we want to be in these channels, right? What does it look like for a sales team? And so we can start to really move into this larger vision that the hard part is your team doesn't know where you're going. And so how do you sort of tell the story about, hey guys, this is where we're going. This is what it looks like. Here's how we get there exactly. And so big vision, you know, you sort of track that back and then you can quantify quarter over quarter. How are we moving towards this big goal? Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. So the one thing that we did, and I would encourage you to as well, is look at what's a model in the marketplace that you can model. So HubSpot for us is our model. What HubSpot did very well is uh, they sort of took the approach of, we well, have sales, you have marketing, you have customer support, you have operations. And through that, you have SMB, you have mid-market, you have enterprise. And so what they built is essentially their sort of flywheel version of that. And so, hey, we're gonna go in the marketing hub, we're gonna go on Starter. Starter's SMB, what do they need from a product perspective? What do we need to create to drive that traffic? What do we need from a sales process? So all of these quadrants expand into the entire organization. And so we can start to model like, hey, we're gonna go deep on the marketing hub. We're great in SMB, let's move into mid-market. And then over time, we can build out to enterprise. But you have to have product market fit to then get to go-to market fit, to then get to growth and moat and scale. And so we're not gonna go to enterprise because we can't win deals. Why? We don't have SOC 2 and all these other things that they require to even be in part of the deal. So what we call is a platform game. This is a very basic version of it, but what we do is go, hey, what's our vision for the future? What products do we need to create? And then from a high level, how can we work backwards and really get to a line item of here is exactly what we're going to build so the team can start to play a game. How do we play a game of success? So what we did is we just mapped it out and we said, hey, here's these features and we just color coded it. Now these all link over to a further document of something I'll get into of MTP and whatnot. But gray is, we haven't done it yet. Yellow is a Pareto principle of 80% complete. So we call MTP table stakes in advanced. This is our quantification of have we reached this tipping point of are we ready for go-to market? Sure, you can build a product in a feature set, but 
you may not be ready to market it and get customers because they go, oh, do you have that? No. Do you have that? No. Okay, well, we'll go with somebody else. So you want to get to more yeses. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So we just quantify this. Again, this is as a team. When you show your whole team, we're at 40-some-odd people right now. Guys, where are we at and what can we quantify quarter over quarter and start to knock this down? Hey, you know what? Let's go a little bit deeper on calling. What else can we do? Well, we've got a whole list of ideas and product feature set that we can build. And so uh, there's this great quote. This is from one of the guys over at Facebook. and says, pressure plus iteration is evolution. And so we have sort of taken this approach. Uh, my co-founder, Sergey, um, he sort of helped sort of evolve this uh, and built our whole development team. But MTP stands for Minimum Testable Product. So the idea with this is you've got features, you've got a backlog, you've got stuff you want to build, but how do you move towards a fast, iterative, pressure-focused approach that over time you evolve, and then you can start to move up market with that feature set? So MTP is like, what's the bare minimum we can create to test? Let's bring in some customers, let's test this bare minimum, and then uh, let's start to evolve from that. The next step, and this is all feature stuff, I'll show you guys what it looks like, is table stakes. What features are necessary to win deals against the competition? So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, we're talking to so-and-so, um, do you do X? No. Do you do this? No. Do you do that? Okay, well, uh, but we're gonna go over here. And so those are these just, what are the table stakes features you have to have in order to even be in that conversation to win a deal? And then the advanced side is distinct differentiators. What can we engineer or create that is different and unique in the marketplace that nobody else has? And so there's this idea called a unique mechanism, really stem from the marketing space. What is something unique that no one else has that you can coin or trademark or create that they don't have this sort of positions you differently in the market that you're the only company that offers that? And so the companies that can create this unique mechanism they're, they're in their own blue ocean versus a red ocean. So here is sort of how we quantify it. We love JIRA, we love Confluence, everything we have is, is documented. And so we get into like, okay, guys, what does it look like for MTP for, let's just say calling, right? Or outbound calling. Well, they need to be able to like make a call, they need to be able to mute a call, they need to be able to do this, they need to be able to like, all that stuff. And it's just a brainstorm session. What do you need? To, hey, let's go look at other competitors. What do they have? Okay, let's bring a list, bring a list, bring a list. And we just get a whole big ass dump of all the stuff we can build. And then we just start picking it out. Yeah, that's an advanced feature. That's a table stakes. That's MTP. And then we just start to build this. And this gets into sprints. So how do you move quick? How do you iterate? We're pumping out stuff every two weeks that just boom, 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 boom. And customers love it. And this creates momentum. This creates... Um, just a, a movement towards people relying on your business that you're going to solve their real problems. And so here is how you win the game. Like I talked about no's and no's and no's and no's. And this, a, a customer actually created this. And I love it because he did the work to find out who actually has what we need. And he built a whole spreadsheet. Do they have this? Do they have this? Do they have this? Do they have this? And he did all the other com competition out there. And he came to the ultimate conclusion, which is like sales message solves our problem best. And so if you ever follow like Zig Ziglar, you know, he says like, um, really the, the more continuous yeses you can get, the more business you're going to win. And so like, what are these core feature sets that you can just start to knock off to get to that ultimate yes? Now, I love what Todd just talked about is like, you know, this uh, forcing function to move up market. 
and we've gotten some big customers, and we're like, oh my God, they just broke our system. I'm like, yes, this is awesome, because we just figured out a whole new opportunity, a great business or a great feature to build to allow uh, us to get more of those customers. And so it's like we say yes to those guys, even though we know that at some point maybe they may churn, but they're going to open up so much opportunity for us to solve these micro problems that can mean, you know, a six-figure, a, a multi-six-figure contract. And so, so that's how we do it. So um, I got a minute and a half here. So let me talk about some of the keys to scaling. So one of the things I talk about is the idea called stack the line. And so what a lot of companies focus on, if you look at really the two ways to grow SaaS companies, you know, if you follow Jay Abraham, he talks about three ways to grow your business. But in SaaS, there's really two ways. One, you get more customers, which is the hardest part. Two um, is you increase ARPU. And so what are the ways and strategies from which you can increase average revenue per user? And so the loneliest number is number one. A lot of companies are like, cool, we've got $49 plan, and the only way to grow is to get them into 99 that sucks. Why? Because it is hard to get somebody to move into that value metric and they may not be in that next value metric to move up to pay $99 a month, even though you're training them and teaching them. And so this is a great book, Marcos Rivera. He just came out with this book. It's awesome. If you guys want to learn everything about pricing, uh, definitely get this book. Um, he actually worked for Vista Partners and so like super strategy on pricing. He says this, um, according to invest whatever, the probability of selling to an existing customer is 60 to 70%, while the probability of selling to a new prospect is 5 to 20. Existing customers are 50% more likely to try new products and spend 31% more when compared to new customers. So we know this. We've heard it, right? Yes, we know our customers are the ones that are going to spend more money, but like, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on a new customer acquisition, or are you going to build out your product line to solve more problems to improve expansion. So we call this our multi-pronged SaaS. So again, we've got subscription plans, we've got transaction revenue, which for a while was like, oh, transaction revenue, that's not a good thing. How do you get more towards SaaS? That's okay, Twilio's doing pretty well. We've got seats, we've got add-ons, uh, services we're just about to introduce. And so guys, what can we create? What problems can we solve within our product to help our customers get more value? So plans, we sell numbers, we sell short codes, we sell you know, all these other additional subscription products. We also sell transactional, so if you buy text message credits. If you want to, you know, we sell minutes, so you do calling. If you've got carrier fees, you know, we have all these other transactional revenue that there are ways to move transaction revenue into subscription, but you know, some things just need to live on a, a transaction base because it's one-time revenue uh, and somewhat you know, volatile. Seats, add-ons. So what other add-on products can we introduce? One we call phone checker, which looks up phone numbers. Um, compliance, you know, we've got trusted calling and all these other tools that help further enhance the product. Um, services, so textile consulting, you know, automations, white glove service, that sort of thing. So just share with you some of these numbers here. So what does it actually look like, right? Our customer acquisition is not that great. But our ARPU is awesome because we create products that solve problems that, recur that turn into more money. And so this is a great problem to have because if you are dependent or reliant on Facebook or Google for acquisition, and if that shuts off, you're not growing. So the best place to be is how do you increase that ARPU, create the product, 
to, to generate this over time. And so it doesn't show it in here, but one of the things I'll talk about is the, uh, the price hike, which actually I think it might be in there. So number two, I'm up on time, I'll move pretty quick here, but consistency creates momentum. You know, like I mentioned, we are pumping out so much product all the time and our customers love it because one, we talk to them, two, we gather their feedback, and then three, we actually build the products. And so like that is the best way to win customers long-term is to listen and actually solve their problems. So one of the things that we sort of operationalized is product marketing. Cool, we've got tier one, tier two, tier three. Is this product worthy of going to market? Is it just more of a small feature that we need to let customers know? And when you're pumping out so much stuff, you don't want to overwhelm them. So anyhow, so we go through this checklist. It's all put in Jira. It's all tasks. It's all outsourced to the whole team on the product marketing side, and it's kicked out, and it's done. Um, I had another slide in here, but we'll move on. Increase your prices and learn from our mistakes. Um, one, actually, I think it might, yeah. Anyhow, let me talk to you about this. So um, we started at 10 bucks a month, right? Because we're like, let's just build this product and put it out to the world. And then we moved up to a whopping $35 a month. And you can see price increase one. And we had two plans, which actually I think it took from Nathan. But it was 35 bucks and $300 a month. And then we're like, we took way too long. We took two years to do another price increase, which happened at the end of 2021. And what do you know? <laughs> it went up. And so... Uh, the big lesson there is like just start like increasing your prices and increasing your value. So a couple pricing lessons learned. Uh, don't grandfather. We did that and we figured out a way that um, how we can show our appreciation to those existing customers that came in. And one thing that you can do, it's sort of a technical issue, but you know, you can leave people within a plan, but then as you're introducing new product and features, just feature gate it. And so in order for them to get access to that, they have to then upgrade to that plan. You don't want to keep giving them new stuff for 10 bucks a month when everybody else is spending 35. Um, offer annual to lock in rates. Um, I'll show you guys a Slack example with Slack right now. If you want to follow an awesome pricing increase, Slack is doing it right now. Just model it. It's awesome. Um, offer annual to lock in rates for 12 months. Um, basically what this means is Rather than go through all this complex stuff and this person's on that, just allow people to lock in a rate for 12 months to keep that price they currently have for 12 months. And then after 12 months, they move into that newer pricing plans. And, and also too, it's great for cash because they're going to pay all up front. So uh, instead of hard, hard deadline, typically you'll see is 90 days. We did like 45 um, and it works pretty well. So if you guys want to um, break out your phone, if you want to get Slack's Example, I broke this whole thing down, documented it. So if you ever want to go through a price increase, um, Slack is doing it now. I definitely recommend that you follow it. And basically what they're doing is the exact same thing. One, it's simple and they just put you into an annual to lock in that rate for 12 months. And it's super simple. We try to complicate it way too much. And in the end we were like, how do we simplify this? Oh, well, let's just do that. And so um, I'll share with you guys the, our campaign and how we did that. Um, and that is all. So thank you guys. Um, the last 20 minutes we talked about all these fun things. So thank you so much. And uh, come and talk. Also, uh, I'm doing a brain date at three, I think. I'm not sure where it is, but doing a brain date. And then if anybody is interested, uh, 6.30 in the morning, if you want to go run, uh, meet me downstairs.